Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am joined in person, but unfortunately some technical di- due to some technical difficulties without the music intro by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, Hello, lovely mate. to see you. You too, mate. Um, season six, something's never changed. We just started recording. I hope I hit record at the right time the the shambles of the the last 10 minutes trying to trying to get this working but um yeah black and white butcher would be would be absolutely proud of us yes this is the bath rugby plug brought to you by the black and white butchers tom dunn's black and white butchers if you are going to the rec for pre-season games premiership rugby cup games or for the gallagher premiership then please do stop by the stool behind the stand near the Swift Half. And please also check out their Instagram, Black and White Butchers. Thank you, Tom Dunn, for your continued support. And yeah, it's been a little bit of time, Tom, for us between drinks. We did our pre-season six podcast back in um, early September. Since then, three Bath games, a few England games, half a Rugby World Cup. And the few drunk tweets from us later, we're back <laughs> for a bit of a catch-up from all things blue back. You you reminded me just before this podcast of a tweet that I I I put up. I was lucky enough to be in in France for the the, the two England games, Argentina and and, and Japan. Um, put up uh, quite a blurry picture for those on Twitter of Will Stewart on the sort of announcement screen when he was when when they're reading out the teams. Have no recollection of sending that um and it didn't make a huge amount of sense i think by the time the tweet delivered it was 2am so that's the content that i continue to bring to to listeners so if you want more of that then um follow us follow us on on twitter but yeah i think you know even the two of us you know avid bath rugby fans following it day by day hour by hour for you know nearly 20 years um even us i think our eyes have been turned a little bit to, to towards France. And um, yeah, I dare say that a lot of the listeners probably won't have been following the games that, mm-hmm. and, and the pre-season events at Bath quite closely. But yeah, the World Cup's been very, very exciting as it always is. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit World Cup to start. But you're right, this is kind of a little bit of an update for the listeners. There has been three Bath games since we last spoke. And it's been a little bit too difficult to follow them. Not always on streams. Not loads of content from, from mm. Bath, I think. A mixture of maybe their eyes on the World Cup and also some some technical difficulties that I know they had, in particular, at the Cornish Pirates game. Um, and then a touch of news, a new head of recruitment at Bath. So we're going to talk all about that and a little bit of a 25-minute, half-an-hour fix of blue, black and white before everyone's attention turns to the last two rounds of group games and and then the, the knockout stages of, of what's been a fascinating World Cup. And, and let's talk a little bit about that before we get into all things blue, black and white. And yeah, England have, have kind of spluttered and, and, splut- and kind of eased their way into the tournament with three wins. Splattered and eased. Splattered and eased, which is a completely makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. But but kind of not played that well, I haven't thought, but but of of won games easily, I think is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I mean, the worst possible start to our our, our World Cup, losing Tom Curry in the second minute and and being in the ground, we really felt like the the writing was on the wall a bit. And yeah, we'll come on to the, the involvement of Bath players, but one of our very favourite Bath players in George Ford had an absolute mm. diamond of a game and showed 
what we all knew, but I think many England fans didn't know, and that's just how good he is and how he can manage a game of of rugby. And those drop goals that he he struck were were something else. And yeah, I tell you, it was absolute pandemonium in in Marseille and in the in the Stade Velodrome during during that game. And then yeah, an odd one against Japan in in Nice. You know, as you say, we made very very hard work of it. And then the the Joe Marler headbutt. And the assist from, um, or the pre-assist from from Will Stewart with the the missing the pass, mm. um, kind of I think took the fight out of Japan a bit. But ultimately, the bonus point was secured. So we sailed through our our group, likely to top that and 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 have Fiji. Yeah, a little bit of a frustration for me is has been a, the lack of representation from Bath, and I think in, in particular. Ollie Lawrence not really getting too much of a look in, no. uh, which has been frustrating. But on the other side of, of the Bath coin, looking at Scotland, Finn Russell's had some involvements for them. And, and every time I watch Scotland, I watch kind of wanting them to win because I'm English, well, wanting them to lose because I'm English, but also wanting them to lose. So Finn comes back <laughs> and also wanting Finn not to take any major hits. And watching him play against South Africa and Tonga, I've been watching those behind the sofa and I think he did go down for a period in, of time in that South Africa game, which, uh, yeah, caused some concern for me. What have you made of, of Russell's performance so far in this World Cup? I think he's, yeah, I think, I think the Argentina game, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the South game wasn't made for him, right? I mean, they got, they got bullied, um, particularly in the, in the second half where, I mean, South Africa are just unbelievably physical. And no matter how good you are, if you're getting slow ball, if, you're, if it's messy, if you're if you're forwards going backwards, it's very very hard indeed. I think at times he looked a little bit like a rabbit in the headlights. He clearly didn't have the time that he's he's used to used 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 to getting. So yeah, um, probably not been he's probably not lit up the World Cup in the way that he has hoped. However, with the way that the the games have gone so far, they're not quite out of it yet. And I think I. I saw something that if they can beat Ireland by seven points in the the final fixture of the of of that particular group, they could go through alongside South Africa. So it's not hope is not lost quite for for Scotland and and Finn Russell. But yeah, I think he's 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 possibly not had 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 his best tournament so mm. far. That game is looming large in the remaining games as absolutely want to miss. Can't wait for that and can't wait for the rest of the World Cup. But let's park that chat there and back to our focus on the Bath Rugby plug, which is, of course, the boys at the wreck. And we're going to talk about the three games that they played in chronological order. So let's start with the first game of the season. It took place away at Cornish Pirates, a 23-29 victory. And as I said at the start, each of these games has kind of had varied levels of coverage and varied levels of highlights and full match replays that we've kind of been pouring over and trying to watch. But um, kind of trying to briefly condense down your thoughts on on the, the games here, Tom. What did you make of the, the first game, a win against Cornish Pirates? Well, yeah, it was a, certainly slightly overshadowed. I think the, the kickoff was very, very close to kickoff of the France-New Zealand opener to, to the World Cup. Look, I think it was a... Of the three wins or of the three results, I think probably this is the one we could be most proud of. Mm. We put out a genuinely young side against a hardy pirate side. Like going down to Cornwall, it was mm. very well attended by pirates fans. It's not an 
a particularly easy place to to win for a for a team like that. You and Richards coming in and 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 captaining the side for for the first time. Plenty of young guys in in in, in the side, and I think we showed really good fight, really good physicality. The scrum worked well. We scored two mall tries early doors, and then when things opened up a little bit, we had some really nicely worked tries from. From from George Warboys and and Sam Harris, so I thought that was a that was a lovely try that, that 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 we scored, and it did get tight. You know, Pirates stayed with us and stayed within a, a score of the game, as you say, twenty three twenty nine, and then a big turnover at the end from from Nea Merrigan. And I think you could see what it meant to those young guys mm. by the way that they they reacted. That was a result that I think Pirates would have fancy getting yeah. against us, and I think we can be we can be proud that we went down there and 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 beat a. Uh, you know, a, a, a decent, experienced physical side. Yeah, there's some experience in the Bath side. So, Fergus Lee Warner, Jakob Gutsir, Will Muir, back for the first time in, in around a year, playing his first game for Bath. But then that inexperience as well. Ewan Richards, captain, saying Tom Carr-Smith at scrum half, Sam Harris playing the full game at 15 yeah. against a far more experienced side that, that Cornish Pirates had. Experience in terms of years in the game. Um, and mm. I think you're right. The watching the crowd and watching the reaction down there from the Cornish Pirates players when they scored, and also the Bath players when they scored, it did feel like, although it was the first game of a Premiership Cup season, which is being treated, especially by the Premiership sides, as mostly friendlies. I think it meant something, and I think it was really reassuring that those guys got um, got off to a, a winning start, and, and must have done. Good things for their confidence, although as we look ahead in, in a short while to the next game, maybe not loads of things to their confidence. A couple of guys that, that I will point out, I think Will Muir's quality stood out. Mm. A fantastic break from him, set up a, a really nice war boys try. Um, and then a lovely backs move off the back of a really strong scrum late in the game, just on the, the Cornish Pirates 22, kind of cemented the win. That was ultimately the winning try. And I think Tom Carr-Smith's involvement from scrum half was really good and a great finish from from Sam Harris. So those two tries stood out for me. Um, and I thought, yeah, some some nice performances from guys that I'm getting quite excited about. Yeah, you quite, we just watched back some of the, the highlights before mm. we, before we uh, finally worked out how to press record. And you were quite impressed with them. Um... With Tom Carr-Smith in the in the nine shirt, yeah, impressed with him in this game. He, he also played um, the the majority of the following game, and then came on off mm. the bench in in the resounding win in the final game. And yeah, I think that that second scrum half role is really up for grabs. And I thought he showed nice pace really? with the ball um, and some 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 good service off the base. So yeah, I think one to watch there and a bonus point win to start off our our Premiership rugby campaign. Next. We returned home for our first home game of the season. I'm sure there are many of you listeners that were there for this one. Some of you probably travelled down to Cornwall as well. There was some blue, black and white shirts I saw in attendance. But this one, Tom, went slightly less well. A rather humbling 10-34 defeat to Jersey Reds in our first game on T and T Sports. What was your... Um, what are your sort of takeaways from this performance? So it was a relatively unchanged size. I think there were mm. only only two changes to the the side you just described in the in 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 the fifteen, and I think we just got a little bit out muscled and became a little bit ragged, particularly in that second half. We had a yellow card to 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 Louis Hennessy, which I don't think helped at all. And you can see 
that jersey have a little bit more quality as well. They were the, um, won the championship for the the first time in their history last season. Um, they battered London Scottish, the other uh, championship team in our in our pool that we'll come on to talk about. We played them next. They battered them forty three nil at London Scottish. So they're a good side. They're coached by ex Bath player. I won't say legends, but ex Bath um, ex Bath players Rob Webber and Kyle Eastman, which mm. is a an interesting, almost polarised style of, of coaching. And you saw a little bit of that. You saw the very well set up, organised driving mall. And they scored two or three driving mall tries. And then a couple of nice moves um, down, particularly the right wing. I think I, I remember one try in the, in the second half. But yeah, I mean, at times defensively, we looked a little bit green. Um, in that first half, there was um, a, a pretty straightforward missed one-up tackle from from Max Wright and then pretty much straight after that George Warboys was charged down and you look these are the sort of things that are going to happen for these young guys and this is the arena where you want to see that happen without Bath United without genuine friendlies with the exception of, of Edinburgh so you know I think lessons learned but at the same time you don't want to see these young guys getting hammered or, mm. or losing heavily because as you said it's important to, to build confidence into a season that you know where it's going to be a, a big squad effort. Mm. Yeah, the final score looks pretty gnarly. 10-34 defeat to a good championship side isn't great, but it's 10-15. Well, I mean, we're leading 10-5 at the break. It's 10-15 with 17-18 minutes to go. Mm. And then you're right, there's the yellow card. We go down to 14 men. And, and then I think the game kind of gets out of hand from there. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of despite sounding a little bit like a cigarette packet, Jersey Reds are a pretty useful side. Mm. And I think that ultimately showed in in, in the second half. Um, so congratulations to them. And I think they'll probably have another strong season. Yeah, definitely. And a, and a couple of nice involvements from Will Muir, who came off at, at half-time. Um, a lovely little chip on for, uh, was it Sam Harris? I think he scored mm. early doors down that, that left wing. And then he was, was delivered a bit of space a few minutes later and streaked galloped down the left wing, which was certainly a sight that that that, that, that we enjoyed seeing. Yeah, I think Bath fans watching through their fingers when he went off at half time, but luckily enough he was fit enough to start the following week. So that's three starts in three for Will Muir, which is an absolutely great sign and, and he's looking quick. So that's fantastic. Hungry. Hungry, Hungry horse. Ten changes they did make, however, and it became a much stronger side as we took on our third game of the Premiership Rugby Cup. Our second one at home, this one against London Scottish. A few of the names, Tom, that came into the side. Miles Reid, captaining the side. Schumann, Annette into the front row. Clerter into the back row. Um, Francis at 10 and Tom de Glanville taking his place at fullback. And I think... This is a probably a weaker championship side and a much stronger Bath side. And it ultimately led to a pretty dominant 47-11 win, a much better performance. And I think it really showed the, the kind of strength and experience that we added to the pack. I think there were three more tries mm-hmm. either side of the halftime, two in the first half, one just after the second half. And it did look like we we're probably a bit too well-organised and a bit too strong and physical in that area. And I think that that told on on um, the London yeah. Scottish side. Yeah, you know these these are proper professionals coming mm. back in. Miles Reed, Chris Clerter, um, you know Nile and they're, they're not 
they're not messing around and at, at that sort of level and then Pierce Francis is just nailing all his kicks yeah um I mean he, 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 he seen the, the if you were there for the game or seen the highlights like some of the the kicks he 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 been from from out wide were were, were pretty impressive Tom de Glanville back in and again very classy from fullback at that at that level and and scoring a couple of 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 late tries but very physically dominant and that led to the the penalty try just before the 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 hour mark um and the debut for our our, our latest debutant um Arthur Green who came on at at number eight, so um, may probably a name that that not many listeners have have heard of, but 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 congrats to him. And yeah, I think in general we're gonna, and I'd be interested to see you know how how this is done. But in general, I think we're gonna start to now build into obviously the the Premiership fixtures being Northampton Saints and Exeter within the Premiership Rugby Cup, but but against Premiership teams, start to build in these guys and start to try different combinations as we. As we move towards the Premiership, I think, you know, at part at parts during these three games, it's felt a little bit like preseason, even mm-hmm. though it is a tournament. But I think now we'll start to see some proper selections coming through. Yeah, lots of names for Bath fans to learn more about. I think in those mm-hmm. first three weeks, one name that has got through some minutes is Fergus Lee Warner. As ever. <laughs> He's got through eight, three 18-minute performances. Um, given that we've only got him for a couple of games of the Premiership, clearly yeah. get the most out of that contract. The guy who's heading back down to Australia for the start of their domestic season, but he looked pretty nice and physical and made a, a good break in the the London Scottish win, which was the third of the games that we have just spoken about, and that leaves us in a pretty precarious position: two wins, one defeat in the Premiership Rugby Cup. So we are third in Pool C on 10 points. We're behind Jersey on 11 points and Exeter on 15 points. There are five matches in the Premiership Rugby Cup and the winner of the group progresses through to the semi-final. Now, Exeter have gone three from three. If they go three from, if they go four from four by beating London Scottish this weekend, they will qualify from Pool C, leaving us eliminated despite what we do against Northampton Saints. So that's kind of the permutations of the poll. Absolutely. And Exeter on, sitting on a, a pretty unbelievable points difference of 121 from three games. Thanks, for the, in the most part, for <laughs> to a 75-0 win over, over Bristol. I think you were saying before the podcast, Bristol had first team or, or close to their first team had, had played the day before and they put out a bunch of kids against uh, against guys like Scott Seo and Henry Slade who must um, be kind of pinching himself that that's what he's he's doing play against 16 year old Bristolians but there it was and yeah an absolute hammering of of, of good old Bristol Bears so um, yeah at least if extra qualified then then um, um, we can well I always like to see those results anyway <laughs> yeah, Bristol, uh, I think on the end of one there when the teams came out, mm. I think ultimately 75-0 was actually probably mm. a decent result for, for that Bristol side looking at the comparative teams that were put out. And I think we have seen some pretty lopsided results. I and mean, yeah. that's partly down to premiership against championship, but also where teams are with their progression, where they are with their preseason, and kind of what they're highlighting as games that they're going to try different combinations and how they see themselves kind of progressing yeah. to ultimately what this is for, and that is making teams 
ready to go for the first game of the season, um, which is obviously on the weekend of the 14th of October, which is also the quarterfinal weekend of the World Cup. What a weekend of rugby that promises to be. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing I'm keeping a, a very close eye on as we start to see, you know, Bath sides put out that are close to the first team is who is going to get that that captain mm. armband. I mean, no, obviously, metaphorically, the armband. I think still no announcement on that. We spoke about it at length in our preseason podcast a, a couple of a couple of weeks ago. I'm quite surprised that there's been nothing on that to date. Um, but we will see. Um, very, very, very intriguing. And yeah, you you know my views on it. The longer it goes on, though, the longer it goes on with no announcement means that maybe they just don't think they need to announce well nothing on the website no nothing on the went through the the squads again and 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 no mention of that which is is surprising you know for a guy that didn't play all of last season left the club has come back hasn't featured so far it's surprising that there is there is there is no announcement so far i would say and the 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 thing is as well normally you can try and look at some of the youtube clips for pre-season and get a bit of a sense for who's captaining, who's doing, you know, who's, who's, who's doing the talking, who's leading, but there's, we haven't seen a huge amount of, of pre-season content yet. So we will, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see on, on, on that point. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Let's know on socials, your thoughts on the bizarre developing captaincy situation. We must be the only club now without a confirmed captain. <laughs> yeah. In all, in all the tiers of, of English rugby, probably. But, yeah. I, but I, I, I'm starting to come to the, the, the belief that Charlie Yours is the captain yeah. and that they don't think they need to announce it because when Spencer was announced, it was announced as a short-term deal and it was never suggested that it was going to be past one season. So I'm just starting to think that they don't think they need to. Yep. And that, as we have discussed, is not the way that we would probably go, but um, maybe the way they're going, maybe the way JVG is going. JVG added one more member to his staff this week. Maybe more of a Tucker McDonald appointment, but Rob Burgess was has been announced as the new head of recruitment. And Tom, when this was announced, kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Hadn't heard a huge amount of Rob Burgess. Thought I must have missed him as maybe an ex-Welsh player, ex-player, ex-scout, ex-coach but not really any particular background in, in that. So it seemed like a strange appointment as the head of recruitment. Can you kind of shed a little bit of light onto what this role might entail and, and kind of why this appointment has been made? Yeah, we, we were having a look through his his kind of CV and his, his career history. And it's interesting as well. I mean, probably again, that unlike... unlike search. Yeah, unlike, <laughs> unlike, a, unlike a lot of... yeah. We really, we really, no we, wiki page, we really, though. we really dig deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. We we haven't had a an actual uh, a, a person dedicated to recruitment since 2018, 2019, when Todd Blackadder appointed Pierre Broncon from from Toulouse, mm. um, and that was pure scouting, right? That was an ex player. He was a scrum half, played you know seasons in in French rugby, and then was involved in the same role at, at Toulouse and came in to help bolster the squad to try and identify talent. This is clearly very, very different from that. I think it seems that the focus of this is much more on retention rather than any kind of scouting, which I assume would be done by the likes of Johan van Graan, you know, for example, with a Thomas de Toy 
signing, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think this guy's kind of got a, a history in stuff like talent management. So I think this is going to be almost him acting kind of as an agent on behalf of the club. So dealing with players' agents, dealing with players, um, dealing with kind of the, the various media companies that players are involved with to, to, to try and retain players and to try and think about different ways of incentivizing players and, and different ways of, of, you know, keeping players kind of loyal to the club. So it's a slightly strange title head of recruitment because it doesn't seem like there's a huge amount of actual recruiting that, that, mm. that he's going to be doing from what I can see. Yeah, so I think in terms of recruiting, it won't be necessarily identifying players. Mm. I think the kind of identification will be done by Van Gran um, and by the coaches that he has got. But I think then once those players have been identified, the kind of negotiation of those contracts and the relationships yeah. with those agents, I think yeah. it actually says in the... Um, press release that Bath put out that he brings with him a large network of agents. He's worked for sports agencies in the past and held those roles predominantly for about 12 years before then taking over the role as head of recruitment at um, Dragons. Right. So I think it's probably more going to be, yeah, there'll be some retention and, and incentivizing players through that. But also then once Jan van Gran and his team have identified a player, his role will then step in to try and then make sure that that, that player, yeah. player comes And actually, you know, you said talent agencies. I mean, they're becoming more and more popular. And when the, the strange time that we had Ed Griffiths involved with the club, I think he was either ran or was heavily involved with a talent agency, which is where Niall Ennett came from at that 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 point in time. So, um, yeah, like, I guess, bring in network, bring in understanding of, of how to how to get contracts and, and, and those sorts of things across the line is 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 probably useful because I yeah, I, I definitely think we've got the breadth of knowledge and experience and network across countries mm-hmm. with our current coaching setup in terms of identifying who those players actually are. And from kind of the little knowledge I had of what Stuart Hooper used to do, this was an element of his role that I think he did quite well in terms of retaining and recruiting players. We spoke about that yeah. at length when yeah. he was kind of the general manager. It's the best thing he did when he was... Certainly. He was so so now that he's left, it's probably kind of picking up some of the the slack that, that Hooper was doing in that role. Slightly strange one, but um, I think once you dive a little bit deeper, it um, it makes uh, a little bit more sense. We were reminiscing, weren't we, earlier about that wild time when Ed Griffiths came in, appointed himself as chairman, sent the boys off on a piss-up to Liverpool, yeah. and then got sacked by Tarkin McDonald. What a... Uh, Crazy time to be a bar. You can't say things like that. You can't say the word sacked in, in a public forum. <laughs> Luckily, unfortunately, we can't edit, but you might be on for libel there. Um, yeah, a strange time. And, you know, when you reflect back on that from the position we're at, obviously nothing is guaranteed at all. But at least we do seem from the outside like a completely mm. different and more professional outfit than 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 what seemed like um, a bit of a circus at, at, at that point in time. Allegedly. Alleged circus. Alleged sacking. <laughs> Let go. Next steps then, Tom. This podcast gets shut down for live. But what's next steps for Bath? So Northampton Saints away this weekend. Another Premiership Cup game. Um, I think you're right. They'll probably start to build in some more 
first team players into this and, and with it being the, the strongest opposition we have faced, I imagine Northampton Saints would be on a similar path to us. So this could be a, a, an interesting fixture to, to watch and to see who we play and, and how we get on with yeah. that. Followed by a weekend with two games. Edinburgh away in a friendly and our final Premiership Rugby Cup game against Exeter. Quite clearly, there'll be two squads, two coaching staffs going to those two different games, Edinburgh being away, Exeter at home. So interesting to see how we kind of split and manage that before our first game at home against Newcastle Falcons on the 14. Our next steps will be a a preview podcast of that Newcastle Falcons game and a kind of final recap of everything that's happened in the preseason and the Premiership Rugby Cup. Hit subscribe in your podcast feeds to get that podcast delivered wherever you get your podcast. If you have missed our preseason episode, go back, download, listen to that. Get in touch with any of your thoughts with us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug or Bath Rugby Plug at gmail.com. Lots of exciting things to come for the Bath Rugby Plug this season. Greater socials, engagement, continued relationship with a club and with black and white butchers. So be sure to stick around and share the podcast. But most importantly, stick behind the boys through thick and thin.